In this episode, I visit with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker and Steph Cheetah about their book, Raise Your Game, Not Your Voice. It's a book that every compliance practitioner needs to read, and it bookends a great summer of compliance books that I've talked about on this podcast. I know you'll enjoy this podcast. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to share a few thoughts with you about Ethosphere and their World's Most Ethical Company Awards for 2022. Do you work for one of the world's most ethical companies? Well, why not get the recognition you deserve for building a world-class ethics and compliance program at your company? You can do so by applying now to be considered for the 2022 class of world's most ethical companies honorees by completing Ethosphere's online assessment. But more than simply completing the assessment, you can receive a scorecard that allows you to benchmark your compliance program against other honorees, and you'll also receive a three-month associate membership to the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance if you complete the application by the November 12 deadline. To get started, download the free application guide and learn more about the process by visiting worldsmostethicalcompanies.com. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I'm thrilled to have with me uh, Lisa Beth Lentini Walker and Steph Chida. Um, this podcast really bookends the summer of books for the compliance professional. Um, I've had a book. Uh, Christian Grant Hart, Joe Murphy, and Kristen Liston have had a book. Eric Young have had, has had a book. I know I missed someone else I've interviewed that has had a book out. But I'm as excited about this book as any that have come out. Uh, so we're going to talk about these authors' new book. But first of all, uh, both uh, Lisa Beth and Steph, could you uh, introduce yourselves and tell our listeners a little bit about your professional backgrounds? Sure. It's Lisa Beth. And um, I'm thrilled to hear you again today, Tom. Um, I am the CEO of Lumen Worldwide Endeavors. And Lumen Worldwide Endeavors is a compliance, ethics, and corporate governance consulting firm. We help organizations put values into action. And I love what I get to do every single day. Uh, I get to help good people make better decisions. And that, I think, is at the heart of everything that I do. Um, the background on me, I'm uh, trained as a lawyer uh, and got my MBA, but I've worked in government. I worked for the SEC during the time of Enron and WorldCom and all of the things that were going on in the early 2000s. Uh, and then I've been in-house at a number of different companies like Best Buy, Carlson Wagenly Travel, uh, and um, I, I just really enjoy working with a lot of different people and being able to syndicate good within the world, because that's what I think ultimately we do as compliance and ethics professionals is we help to syndicate good. And I'm Steph Cheetah. I own Cheetah Communications. We're a communications consultancy that helps companies of all size clearly communicate to those who matter to their success. 
And before starting my own business about two and a half years ago, I spent 15, 15 years in corporate communications, um, also at Carlson Wagenly Travel, which is where Lisa Beth and I met, as well as at United Health Group, um, running internal communications, external communications, having some involvement with public relations and corporate social responsibility. So all things communication. So we're here to discuss your your book, or as we would say in Texas, y'all's book, uh, Raise Your Voice, Raise Your Game, Not Your Voice, subtitled How Listening, Communicating, and Storytelling Shape Compliance Program Influence. So if I could start with uh, why this book and why now? So this is Lisa Beth, and I am happy to talk about why this book and why now. Um, first and foremost, one of the things that you should know is that um, Steph and I wrote this book together as, I mean, it truly is a labor of love. Um, we learned from really trying times working together that one of the things that's really important is to be able to honor and respect the different talents and skills that are brought to the table by a team. And Steph and I got along so well, even though you wouldn't think that compliance and ethics and communications are necessarily people cut from the same cloth. What we found was that by really listening, communicating and storytelling, we were able to amplify impact in ways that we could never have done all by ourselves. So we made some really interesting discoveries along the way, and we wanted to share that with the world. We think that now is a time that listening uh, is not happening as much as we would like to see. Communicating is sometimes viewed as a one-way data dump, and storytelling is an art form that isn't being seen as much as we think it needs to be. So all of these elements came together and we decided that it was really time that our voices came into this, uh, onto the scene basically. And uh, so we thought there was no better time than now that it was needed and that we all had an opportunity to connect and learn a little bit differently. Yeah, I would just add that, you know, it's never been harder to communicate than it is now. You know, there's so much information. There's so many voices all speaking really loudly, um, which, you know, is a lot of why we named the book what we what we did, that you don't have to speak loudly to be heard well. But there's just a lot going on out there, and it's getting harder and harder for compliance professionals and other professionals to get their message across, right? I mean, people are busy. They've got more distractions at home than they ever have had. Certainly, many are doing more with less at work, um, and they've got these phones going off in their pockets with much more compelling content often than what we're able to share kind of corporate speaking. And so we know that the, the kind of, it's a tall order to get your message communicated, and we wanted to come alongside compliance professionals now and provide some advice on how they can break through that noise and have their messages be heard. So I was really intrigued by the word storytelling. And I've been trying to learn not to write like a lawyer and use storytelling for many years, sometimes successful, sometimes not. But you guys find that to be a critical element in communications. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how can a compliance professional 
use storytelling in what we all know are, are sort of mandatory trainings or a, minute, a minimum amount of communication about compliance that you have to put out to employees? How, how do you use storytelling? Steph, you want to start with that one? And Lisa Beth, then from your perspective? Absolutely. You know, you can use storytelling in really simple and easy ways. I think that word can scare people who aren't natural communicators or writers. Um, but really, it's just about putting yourself in kind of your audience's shoes and sharing what can be really short, simple anecdotes that just bring to life your information. What is the real life way your information needs to get used? How does it play out in people's lives? And that can be storytelling, you know, incorporating that content. So, you know, there are different examples. One example we share in the book is about, um, you know, communicating internally about human trafficking and some policies that you might have to make sure your company is on the right side of that issue. And instead of talking about the policy and why everyone should know the policy, take the time to read it, all of that stuff, you know, in a paragraph or two, you can tell a story about two young girls who, you know, very um, accidentally find themselves in a trafficking situation and it just demystifies that issue. It's, you know, it, it paints a picture of how that is not necessarily happening across the world. That could be happening down the street and people just like you or, you know, people who you know could easily find themselves in that position. And when you paint that type of a picture, when you're also communicating about that policy and what your company's doing and why, you know, that's going to resonate and be so much more memorable um, for folks than just like talking about the policy for the policy's sake. So again, you know, that particular example is maybe two paragraphs long. Um, it doesn't have to have any beautiful, profound prose behind it, right? Storytelling doesn't have to be intimidating or something that only communicators know how to do. Um, it's really about the intent behind the content and just really trying to help people understand the why. Why do we have policies like this? Why are we doing these things? Bring it down to that human level and make it about how it impacts individual people. I would add in that everyone is capable of telling a story. We learn to do it from a very young age. And everything that we're surrounded by um, involves an element of storytelling, whether it's a movie you're watching, a song you're listening to, um, a painting that you've looked at. And so um, storytelling doesn't have to be, as, as Steph has mentioned, a scary thing. It's a connecting thing. It's how we relate to other people. And relatedness and connection is what drives changed behaviors. When we see better and we know better, we can do better. So that's why storytelling is so important. And we know that human beings incorporate storytelling into their behavior. That's how um, information has been passed for millennia. So that we have an entire chapter on the types of storytelling that you can do and different examples that we've found within um, compliance and ethics that can be really powerful. So uh, as part of the book, we have worksheets that help you to be able to develop your own stories to tell based on what you've seen in the news, based on things that you've seen, so that you can be more effective and bring that as one of the skills in your toolkit. Throughout the book are uh, highlighted tips from both of you all. And Lisa Beth, you have a pro tip around elevator pitches. And hopefully most of our listeners know what an elevator pitch is, but why is it important for 
a compliance professional to have an elevator pitch about compliance or a, 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 communi- a topic of communication? And how can a compliance professional use the same concept of an elevator pitch um, just when they're meeting uh, employees? I love elevator pitches. I, I have to admit it. Um, and practicing them is something that I really like to do. Um, I, I do that uh, oftentimes with our Compliance Career Connections group, um, which anyone can join. Uh, but elevator pitches are how you connect with someone quickly and get them interested in hearing more about whatever the topic of the elevator pitch is. It can be you personally. It can be your program. It can be something like the book that we're uh, about to launch. But an elevator pitch is a key technique to be able to interest someone in a short period of time and get them engaged. So elevator pitches are, are critical because you've got that one key moment to reach someone and connect with them. So I, I, that was one of the, the, the key items that I put in there as a tip because I don't think you can practice your elevator pitch enough and you should be getting feedback about it to say, after you hear this, are you interested in speaking more with me? Are you interested in learning more? And keep on working on those until you get to the point where someone's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that you were doing this or that this is what compliance means to you. If people see your passion and hear your passion in how you're speaking about what you're doing or the topic that you're talking about, they naturally become interested. We like seeing people who are excited about the life that they're leading, the work that they're doing and how they're having impact. And now a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. I wanted to ask a question about your writing process. Um, when when you have two authors um, writing, did, did you each take a chapter or a subject matter uh, and take the lead on it and then uh, exchange drafts? Or did you sit side by side and, and some authors do that? Uh, what was uh, the collective you all's writing process for this book? Sure. You know, there are pieces of this book that fit more squarely into compliance and pieces of the book that fit a little more squarely into communications. And so we did divide up the chapters and write them separately and then bring the content back together and integrate it, you know, between our two voices and identified where there might be some overlapping content. Um, so that's how we chose to do it. And we, we have merged many separate Word documents and chapters into one single master document that we've been working from for quite a while now. But at the very origin of this, we did divide and conquer. We've got busy schedules that often don't align. And and so we started separately and then brought it all together. I think the interesting part about this is, um, you know, Steph and I have had an opportunity to work together in the past. And actually, our process for the book very closely mirrors our process in real work life scenarios, which is oftentimes we would hear about something that was going on or know something that was going on. We'd exchange information. Both of us would go off and do different parts, and then we'd come back together and harmonize. 
And if that works for you as a working style, then that's a terrific way to to tackle whatever project you have. Uh, we are just extraordinarily fortunate that uh, we're able to work together in 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 separate elements, but then come back together and de- de- deliver a harmonized a product at the end of the day. Uh, recognizing that um, we all love our children the same, I did want to ask each of you, do you have a favorite chapter or topic that you were able to, to focus on uh, for this book? And uh, if so, uh, Steph, could we uh, perhaps start with you on that question? Absolutely. Um, I do have a favorite child in this case, and that is the chapter about right message, right audience, right time. And I love that chapter because it really speaks to the essence of great communications practice. And it's starting with your audience in mind. Um, and how do you really flip the script, not just making you know your communication about what you have to say, but meeting your audience where they're at thinking about their daily reality, what they need to know, what they care about, and when they need to know these things. And we have a worksheet in the book that helps you line up, you know, your department goals for communicating something and put yourself in your audience's shoes and, you know, identify their goals and line up where do those things not align and what are you going to do about that? And, and we really coach people through the book to err on the side of the audience's needs and the audience's objectives when those two um, are disparate. So I think that's the golden nugget for me um, of the communications advice in that book. And that's why that's my favorite chapter. Well, as a mother of four children, I never pick a favorite child. Um, I don't have one. I love the book as a whole, but if I had to give you a single message that I think is really important, it actually comes from the very beginning, um, which is studying to become an organizational scholar. Um, It's not enough um, in the world to just be right in your one subject matter area. You have to understand to have impact. And that means understanding the organization that you are a part of. It means taking the time and putting forth the um, intellectual capital and, and emotional investment to understand what's driving the business that you're in and becoming a resource. So that continuous learning process, I think, is so important just to life success and so that's where I would start from is becoming an organizational scholar and would give tips on how to do that and how to continually learn because this, like anything else, it's not a one and done. Organizations change over time and so do human beings that are in them and the programs that you are implementing. So you never get to a point where you're just done. As a scholar, you're continuously learning. In listening to both of you all, it strikes me that the audience for this book is much broader than the compliance profession, although certainly compliance professionals can utilize uh, many of the tips, advice, and skills you lay out and processes, I have to add that. But it also strikes me that this is a broader conversation for other corporate professionals. Would that be a fair assessment as well? Absolutely. This is very much written with the compliance officer in mind, and a lot of our examples come from our own experiences. But when I thought about this book, 
and Steph and I talked about it, uh, we both agreed that these tips are really important in all of the guardian roles, right? All of the roles within an organization where you have to deliver sometimes challenging news and you want to make sure that the people who you're delivering that news to aren't rolling their eyes and that you aren't being excluded from the conversation because you're bringing forth messages that are sometimes hard to hear. So yes, this book is really for anyone who has to, to deliver bad news about risk, compliance, or all of those things that happen within an organization. Steph, from your perspective as a compliance, excuse me, as a communications professional, rather than a uh, being uh, a compliance professional, what are maybe two or three key takeaways that every compliance professional can uh, take from this book and use going forward? Absolutely. I would reiterate the point about really working hard to um, view your message from your audience's perspective, not just your own. Um, it's just critically important, and we have lots more to say about that in the book. Another one I would um, share is just, you know, look for partners in unlikely places. Lisa Beth mentioned earlier that we, you know, communicators and, and folks from the legal space aren't often sort of best friends at work, right? We can often view topics from somewhat opposing viewpoints. But in this case, we were able to form a really um, solid business partnership that that was used to communicate really hard things. And it, I think it's a blueprint for all sorts of partnerships within organizations, not just communications and the risk space, but um, potentially any seemingly opposing uh, function. Um, so I really encourage people to really stop as they're reading this book and think about it may not be communications for you, but is there another part of the organization that you might really be able to get some great things done by partnering well with them? And then the last thing I would mention, and it builds on the organizational scholar piece that Lisa Beth had referenced, it's being generous with the information and the intelligence that you have, becoming seen as a go-to person in the company. So, you know, we really caution people, it's, it's not enough to become an organizational scholar and hoard that information and use it as power and, you know, try to, to influence through that. You will get influence and authority and become that expert internally by being generous and sharing that information and using it to serve the company. Uh, Lisa Meth and Steph, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time uh, for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you where listeners could go uh, to purchase this book because this podcast will come out after the book's available. The best place to go right now is Amazon. We do have the book available um, in both uh, print copy and electronic format. And we're really excited that uh, you've welcomed us onto the show today. And we're really excited that this book is finally going to be in the hands of readers. So thank you for um, having us here. Well, as I started uh, with this podcast, this has really been the summer of uh, compliance books. And I forgot to mention Ron Carucci has the book out. Uh, Dennis Kucinich uh, tells a story about bribery and corruption. And frankly, ladies, I cannot think of a better way to end this summer of compliance books with the release of your book and its um, hopefully impact on the compliance community. So I've been visiting with uh, Lisa Beth, Lentini Walker, and Steph Cheetah on their 
new book, Raise Your Game, Not Your Voice, available on Amazon. And I have to plug, uh, published through CCI Press uh, for our good friend Sarah Haddon. Ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. And I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thanks so much, Tom. Thank you so much for having us, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I'm going to link to Raise Your Game in the show notes, and I hope you'll check out this most useful book for the compliance professional. I hope you'll join me again next week where I have another episode on the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.